0: Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Listeners gain the opportunity to connect with someone who may have had similar experiences and, in the process, may look at themselves differently. Facing adversity is not uncommon to women, but the stories of how some have overcome these challenges and achieved success inspires those still struggling to find their own purpose. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Please join in this important conversation with Susan Rocco Mondays at 2 p.m. on WWDB AM 860 or anytime at womentowatch.net. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm thrilled to be in the studio this morning with a, a wonderful woman from our area um, who's doing some great things, and her name is Jen Groover, and Jen is a serial entrepreneur. Uh, Jen is an author author an inventor, a designer, a speaker, as well as a TV personality. So I'm very appreciative of your coming in here today to talk with us. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. We
1: finally made it happen. Yes, we did. (laughs) It took some time to plan and coordinate schedules, but that's what happens when two busy women get together. That's
0: right. Mm -hmm. Um, As I always do, I'd like to start out a little bit with your background so people get a sense of where you came from and and what your younger years were like. So talk a little bit about your years growing up in media.
1: Um, So I grew up in a suburb right outside of Philadelphia. Um, I had a brother who was 11 months older than me, so Irish twins. My mother was an old-school Italian woman from Brooklyn, New York, and my father was a hard-headed German man from Chester, Pennsylvania, So I grew up um, in a very strict, (laughs) uh, very um, controlled type environment in the sense of discipline and respect was demanded. Um, My father was a a Marine, and um, that military lifestyle very much played part in parenting. Um, My mom was an incredible woman. She would have been on the show. Um, She was way ahead of her time. She was an advocate by just how her personality was and anything and everything that she believed in. She was pioneering. She ran campaigns for politicians, governors, um, congressmen, and parts of presidential campaigns because she wanted women to be a voice, not just a vote. And she understood politics. She understood how uh, corruption played a part in it even back then. And she was capable of handling that. Uh, She also believed that anything that you want to make change in, you have to participate in that change. And you're not allowed to complain about something unless you're gonna do something about it. So I very much was impressioned by that. She had a TV show when I was a child as well with Cablevision when Cablevision first started, putting politicians basically into a hot seat to get them to discuss the platform in which they were voted on and elected on and what they needed to do or what we collectively as a community needed to do to make things happen. Happen. But she also used that platform for interesting fundraising opportunities. She loved sports, so she would always have professional athletes on talking about the psychology of success. So as a child, I would sit in these television studios and different stages for political campaigns and watch. All these people following their dreams and hearing how they overcome, how they overcame adversity, and it definitely planted its seeds. I had no idea how many seeds it was planting. As a matter of fact, I would be angry with my mom because I would want to be out playing with my friends instead of being at these different types of events. So that very much conditioned my, I can do it, why not me, mindset, Um, my Childhood was also a little challenging. Um, My father and mother had a very um, disruptive divorce, and um, it was very painful as a child in that process, as it is for most kids, but our dynamic was a a little bit different. Um, My dad um, and my mom, um, both, you know, a hot headed background. And so um, it taught me as an adult uh, about conflict. and dealing with it in a way that's not confrontational but communicative. Um, So I learned from that experience what I wanted to do to break that cycle. Um, And so those experiences very much made me who I am today and such an advocate for the things that I'm an advocate for. Um, My high school experience was amazing. I went to a huge school in the area. Um, At that time, there was 2,700 kids. It was Cardinal O'Hara High School. Mm -hmm. So it was great for athletics. I was an athlete. I played uh, basketball, soccer, and track. So it was an incredible experience, laying the foundation of teamwork. Then I went to Kutztown University, which I attribute to gaining back my level of creativity after going to Catholic school my whole life. So...
2: <laughs> Being stifled a little bit, maybe. So I,
1: I, I definitely was... Uh, able to gain back that right-brained thinking that was very much who I am. I'm a left-handed person, and science really does prove that. And so um, that allowed me the experience to be creatively challenged again, which really, I believe, leads to my being an inventor and designer today um, because I look at things for the possibility of what they can be, not just what they are. And um constantly connecting dots of things that exist today, but how do you make them better? And so... Um, It was a very interesting childhood. I was very, um, I was really outgoing, but I was also extremely shy. I was afraid of television after having a couple little stints with my mom on her television show and being ridiculed in school. But you you now know I obviously got over that fear. You did,
3: you
1: did yeah. <laughs> I faced it head on. <laughs> um, public speaking I was so afraid of too, but I watched my mom do it. I just remember as a child seeing her speak in front of all these people thinking, I have no idea how she does this or why she would like that. Meanwhile, it's my number one favorite thing to do today. So um those fears i definitely faced and i would encourage anyone who has fears to realize that those fears that you're not head reaching head on and overcoming are usually part of who you need to be to come alive to the next level um, when i faced my television fear was on qvc and what a crazy place to try and face that fear mm-hmm. and um I remember just coming alive to a whole different level and realizing that I had suppressed a part of my soul and my being and my passion for so long. And so it was an incredible experience. But, um, my first book was all about overcoming fears because I realized how much they hold you back and what a false illusion they really are.
0: Yeah. You know, that's funny. It was going to be one of my biggest questions today was to talk to you about fear because you talk about that a lot in what you do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think you're so right about the fact that whatever anyone's individual fears are, that's the very thing they should be doing. Right. Um, and for the listeners, you know, when you talk about QVC, you designed uh, the butler bag, right. um, which was the first car- compartmentalized uh, bag for women. Yes. Um, how did that idea come about for you? I'm, I'm guessing from your own need. Yes, it was from my own need.
1: Um, I actually had newborn twins and i was frustrated overwhelmed and completely sleep deprived and i had all this stuff and i'm the type of person that likes to travel light to begin with Mm -hmm. next thing you know i have all this stuff in my bag diapers and wipes and all the what if i need something and i have two car seats everywhere i go and those car seats are heavy with two infants in them and so I was in the grocery store one night and I was unloading, I'm, I was um, standing in line waiting and unloading my cart and realized I didn't, I couldn't find my credit card. And I was in an express line, which makes everyone behind you even more impatient. So I'm getting more and more nervous. I dumped my bag out in front of the cashier and I thought to myself, I cannot believe as far as innovation has come in the society, we as women accept a bucket for a bag. It literally can be lined with plastic, put water in a mop in it. And it is a bucket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and women It's the hobo bag, right? right. I mean, how but, are we supposed to use that? And it's
1: just an endless, bottom, endless bottomless pit. Right, so right. Um, I thought to myself, women complain about so much stuff. How are we not complaining about this? Right. But my mom. What mom's, year was that? That was in 2004. 2004, okay. Um, but my mom had that mantra, which I mentioned you're not allowed to complain about something unless you do something about it, which is for any parent listening, it is. Probably one of the greatest mantras to grow up with because it taught me to be a solution driven person. So instinctively now I go right from the complaint to what's the solution. That's
0: great. That's great advice.
1: Yeah. And so I do the same with my daughters. um, But I feel like in that moment I knew there had to be a solution, but I couldn't figure out what that was. And I'm walking out of the grocery store thinking, okay, I can't draw not even a stick person well. I'm not really good in the engineering world, so I don't know how I would really engineer something like this. I'm not sure where I would come up with this idea, but I planted that seed for myself. Six months later, I was unloading my dishwasher, had the bird's eye view of the knives, forks, and spoons, standing up straight. And I thought to myself, this is exactly how I want everything in my handbag to be, standing up straight so I have a bird's eye view. So as any logical woman would do who is sleep deprived, I took my dishwasher (laughs) tray out of my dishwasher. stuck it into my handbag, got all my contents and put it inside. That's a
0: big bag if you were able to take the dishwasher tray. Yes, it
1: It was. It was the bag that I kept trying to make into my handbag and diaper bag as one without looking like I have a diaper bag. Right. So um, I got all my contents and stuck it in there and it had that eureka moment and I realized that was a solution to a problem and um, then I began another part of that journey. Now I had the aha moment and then you get into the Oh, no. What do I do with it next? How do I even know where to begin? Who's going to help me? And then you go into all those doubt zones of yourself. I don't I can't draw. I don't know how to design. I don't know how to manufacture. So I went through that constantly throughout the process and. I just remember continuing that perseverance because I showed it to so many of my friends and every single one said either A, I wish I thought of that,
0: or B, come on now, someone's had to have already thought of that. Right. That's usually one of the first questions. If I am... Figuring this out on my own, it must already be out there. Right, right? exactly. But
1: it wasn't. I mean, I Googled every configuration of bags with compartments, compartmentalized. Now there's knockoffs of of my invention everywhere. But um, it's really fun. Even though those inventions, you know, um, sorry, those knockoffs encroach on your market share, it is still fun to know that. I and my work started that trend right right and and it's interesting now I have so many women who are trying to knock that off reach out to me for advice
0: (laughs) (laughs) I want to copy your bag can you show me (laughs) out
1: I heard I need to reach out to you you invented this space and I'm like well wait you're gonna try and take my space
0: (laughs) (laughs) so what were you doing at the time
1: I um, my first business right out of college was in the fitness industry mm-hmm. um, and I was a national level fitness competitor I owned a gym in Wilmington Delaware I had a high-level personal training company um, right in the middle of Wilmington Delaware and um, and at that at, right before I'd actually um, a couple years before I'd gotten pregnant with the girls I had um, gotten overtrained overworking uh, for too many years and I had gotten oxidative stress. So oxidative stress is basically lactic acid building up into your system without having enough ability to release and and oxidative stress can be healed or not built up over time by to, uh, enough rest. Massages or high level of antioxidants, none of which I was doing because I thought I was superwoman at the time and I was in my early twenties. And so when I got an oxidative stress, I could not keep up my fitness career the way that I was. And I took a lot of my women clients who wanted to start businesses. And during our training sessions, I would give them business advice constantly. And I transitioned from personal fitness trainer to life coach. And life coaching was very new terminology then. Mm -hmm. Um, My degree is actually in psychology and education. And so it was a very natural transition for me because that's really what I was doing. When I was doing the fitness training, ultimately I was trying to get people to tap into their passion, to want more for themselves and for their lives. And you can't train somebody on the fitness level unless you get into their psychology of why they are who they are and emotionally become aware of the things that are holding you back. So you can't just teach somebody to have better willpower You have to teach them to tap into their emotions, to find out what their self-limiting beliefs and and limiting value system is for themselves. And then you can help them grow from there. So the psychology that goes behind people in building a business and getting people physically fit are actually the same thing.
0: That's so interesting. You know, I would say that you are naturally a teacher. Yes. Because so much of what you have this creative side of you, but you're always wanting to teach others. Yes. And, um, you know, it's interesting today. One of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was this resurgence of women entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. It's certainly happening. It's going on, you know, on a global level. Women are starting their own businesses. There's also a lot of initiatives, even Mm -hmm. within corporations. Sure. You know, under their umbrellas. Um, Why do you think now in history we're we're seeing such a revolution of women kind of trying to take their place and, and and figure out what it is that, you know, they're supposed to be doing.
1: Well, I think this is really more of a third act in the evolution of women. Women first went into the workplace, and that was a privilege, and that was a wave that first happened where women started to Value their worth from their intellectual standpoint and point in their productivity, and then there was another wave where um, women started to take more senior level positions, and and the value and worth of a woman's participation in the workspace grew. And now we're into another phase where entrepreneurship is a greater destination for women versus looking up at that corporate title. And I believe that is because women really do want to dictate their lifestyles. They want to have it all, they want to be able to have their passion as output into their creativity to build a business, but they also want to be moms and have their, their children at sporting events that they can, they can participate in. And also for, for women who are choosing not to have children, which is a lot of my friends, they want to be able to travel the world and live. Mm-hmm. And if you are, and what people are recognizing, if you're, nailed down to a a corporate position and working 80 hours a week, you're not living, you're not enjoying your life to the level that we believe that the majority of us women entrepreneurs believe that we're supposed to be able to. And, you know, as a woman, as if, as an entrepreneur, I'm constantly working. I know you're constantly working, but it's not work. There isn't a check-in and a check-out. It's a constant, I I always say, Entrepreneurship is a journey of self-transformation. So all the work, the projects that I choose are about my own personal growth, about an expression of my creativity, about an expression of who I am at this day in January 2014, which was so different than who I was in January 2013 and 2012. And so it's a constant, my work output is a constant expression of who I am, which is very different than somebody telling you to go do something. Or having to do things that you don't enjoy doing,
0: tasks, same, you know, every day doing the same tasks, right? It's difficult,
1: and, and 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 what it does is it fuels your energy when you're getting to express your passion and creativity, versus deplete your energy from that standpoint of tasks. So, I think when other women now see this, this domination of women entrepreneurs. I mean, women are starting businesses three and a half to one to men right Mm -hmm. now. So when they're seeing other women doing it, they think, well, I can do that too. I could be her. And the, the downside I see that hasn't shifted yet is women's anticipation of their worth in building that business. And what I mean by that is women are starting businesses three and a half to one to men. However, the men entrepreneurs own the majority of the wealth. Why is that? And that's still a worth-value system that women have. Now, it also goes back to the fact that women want to have that sense of balance over money. Um, and, and and that's part of it. But there's also still a worth and value thing. and And women still feel bad about saying, I want to be a mogul. Why? Why would you feel bad to say you want to be a mogul? And there's still that shift that has to happen. There's still judgment from other women that I speak about all the time, where I, as a female entrepreneur, I travel a lot for work. That's how I get paid, going to speak at different events and doing appearances. And I get judged for that, for other women, mothers, whereas my ex-husband or other husbands aren't getting judged for traveling for work. So there's that shift that has to happen. And my perception is my daughters get to spend amazing quality time with their father. It's a 50-50 participation or 100% on each side, which is better than All on one side or all on the other. So I think that shift really still has to happen because that guilt thing still exists Mm -hmm. um, that hold women back from really reaching their potential because they're always in inner conflict. Um, So if I would encourage any change to happen in the next evolution of women entrepreneurs, it would be dream bigger be okay with who you are. Understand that you as an entrepreneur are balancing different things, but you get to take your children on a journey with you, which is like an education system in and of itself. Right. And so instead of seeing you taking things away, see what that job and that that experience, that business can add to your children's lives. Right. I know with taking my daughters to different events with me all the time, that's like taking them to
0: a classroom experience that exactly. they could never have in right. a, a traditional school. Yeah. It's a co-op. Yes, exactly. It's a co-op. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Jen Groover.
2: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice. Some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the Mutual Fund Store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face-to-face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your Mutual Fund Store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norrington and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
4: The Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at wpn at villanova.edu or visit their website at villanova.edu slash WPN. Go Nova!
5: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits, and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized success, InSource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. InSource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact InSource today at 610-592-0800 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We're here at Women to Watch, and I'm in the studio this morning with Jen Groover. Jen is a true serial entrepreneur, and we're talking about lots of um, different parts about being a female and having your own business. And one of the things we were talking about during the break was this idea of uh, stating that you want to be a mogul or you want to be an entrepreneur and, and really have influence. And uh, I wanted Jen to speak a little bit to that because I think it's important to ask yourself some very specific questions about why you want to do that. Right.
1: And I'm so glad that you brought that up because uh, I was at a interview, it was a press interview, and it was a very intimate one. There was about 15 uh, people from the media there, from television and from print. And they would ask me specific questions. and, And it was very inspirational context I felt like I was doing one of my motivational speaking events and then they were asking me questions afterwards and and I could feel the love at the table and I could feel wow I've kind of won over this this audience which is the media which is a great audience to, to win over in, in branding for yourself but then one of the last questions was what do you want to do what do you really see for yourself and I said I want to be a mogul I want to be like Oprah. I want to be like Martha Stewart. I want to make a massive impact. And I could see everybody's body language completely change, almost sitting back from the table, not really sure how to take it, almost a little bit offended. Like, mm-hmm. who does she think she is saying something like that? But what they're not getting and what I, I brought up, I said, as I watch everyone's body language say, uh, change, I said, I see everyone's body language just change at this table. And we all in, as women in business have to support one another when someone does make that statement, because you're all thinking what makes her think that she can do that.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I and I can see the judgment right now when you guys went from being inspired by me to now judging me. And the reality is that's what I want to do because the impact I want to make on the world. I want to be a mogul, not to ha- amass a certain level of wealth. Although wealth is okay and it's not a bad thing as long as you're use, utilizing it properly. Right, right. My amassing wealth is about what I can contribute to the world, right. what I can give back to the world, the impact and influence I can make to empower millions of people. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm making that statement I want to be a mogul, it's about also uh, the the synonym for that would be I want to impact millions of people. I want to inspire people. I, my whole mission to empower people is to inspire and empower as many people as possible to know they're capable and worth more than they ever thought was possible. So the more success I have, the more the larger my megaphone gets right and the more people I can reach and and I nor any person who wants to make a positive impact should ever apologize for that right Wanting to change the world is yes. a wonderful thing. Exactly. So there's still some shifts, as I mentioned, that need to to happen. But the bigger part of that wanting to be a mogul. And I said, think bigger is really do think global. Now we have the ability to be global almost overnight in our Mm -hmm. businesses. This show can be listened to anywhere in the world, pretty much. Mm -hmm. So thinking global allows you to think I'm not going to just maybe touch people outside of my backyard. But maybe outside of my state, maybe across the country, maybe in other countries, and seeing yourself in a a way that's bigger. But the question you have to ask yourself is not what do I want to do for a living, it's who do I want to be? What is my legacy? What is my impact? And so many women want to be entrepreneurs because they want control of their lives. And they'll always say to me, I don't know what I want to do. And I always say, don't start with that question. That's the last part of the question process. The first question is, What do you want to contribute to this world? Who do you want to be? What does your legacy look like? What do you want people to be saying about you after you're gone on, on Earth here? Mm-hmm. And that is where you begin. And then start working backwards to what are those skill sets that I need to create that footprint? What passions do I have to tap into to make that impact? And when people work backwards like that, it's really more um, why the, their God-given gifts of why they're here that they're tapping into versus I want to make money. Yeah. I want to have flexibility. All those things are great byproducts, but it shouldn't be the key motivator. And if it is the key motivator, when you come up against obstacles, it's going to be a lot more challenging to get over those obstacles because when you're coming from a place of purpose, then those obstacles are just things that you jump over. Mm-hmm. When it's the motivation, the intention isn't really from a, a true Sense of self, and it's for the byproducts. It's a lot more challenging to remotivate to um, recalibrate after you've had some obstacles, and we all have them. And um, it, it, what you're doing is about the intention of what you want to do in this world.
0: It's, that's that's, that's exactly the intention. Right. Yeah, that's so smart because it really should. The question should really always be, "Who do I want to be?" Yeah. Um, that's probably you know one of the best tips, and and also what's important to me, right? What is important to me in my life and for others? And that continues to change and evolve. It does. And that's about the growth, which is another question I had for you. You know, we hear the word goals all the time. What are your goals? Where do you want to be? I prefer the word growth because I think that no matter what you're doing, if you're not growing, Mm -hmm. if you're not becoming more enlightened with what you do, um, then really the goals don't matter. Right. right. You don't want to just be checking things off a list, but not actually growing and learning from them.
1: Right. And, you know, my I started off in a very goal oriented mindset, started off my career in a very goal oriented mindset, which is something that we're conditioned in our society. If you want to achieve, then you set goals.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: My evolution of how I set goals and what they look like are very different today. And they're not as tangible so to speak and it's very much about my personal growth one of my goals is to be happy and fulfilled in every relationship of my life meaning from a, a intimate relationship to friendships to a mother-daughter relationship to all the types of relationships that we encounter in our lives and a lot of people never even think about that goal I want to be happy is a very generic goal but you have to get specific in what do you want to be happy in and then think if you if you set goals like that, then success is obviously gonna happen. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in so many different ways that is so much more rewarding and fulfilling. If your relationships are rewarding and fulfilling, then abundance is everywhere. You're, people are gonna bring opportunities to you. People are gonna trust you. People are gonna give you breaks to have your next breakthrough to to achieve those more tangible goals. Mm -hmm. But my goal setting process isn't, I want to make this amount of money this year. Um, And it used to be, and that got me on the path to success. But at this stage of my career, I set goals that are more about my own personal growth Mm -hmm. and impact to other people, um,
0: more of how do I serve? Yeah, that's, and, and when you do that, that's when you are touching more people, you know, on a, a personal level. What, you know, what are some of your personal challenges? Um, you, you do your, you speak and you write and you consult um Television. Television. Of all Inventing. those things, there's no way you do all of that perfectly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which Which one is, is the most challenging for you? Time management? No. <laughs> Juggling. Not hours of the day? Yeah. yeah. Um, I so, actually can
1: transition from uh, one hat to another pretty easily. Um, what I do struggle with is prioritizing which one... I need to be doing first every day Mm. Mm -hmm. and why I say prioritizing is because some things are short-term goals and others are long-term goals and you have to balance as an entrepreneur you have to balance the short term and the long term because the short term could be short short term financial stability at that time period and the long term is greater financial stability that has residual revenue for the rest of your life but it's going to take a lot longer Mm -hmm. Um, i I find my biggest challenge is is that um, any challenge that I have, I have gotten to a stage in my life where I'm extremely honest about what my weakness is um and and deal with it immediately. And so um, i I every single obstacle that I've had thus far, I definitely have hit head on. I'm not perfect at any everything. Um, I procrastinate writing. Um, I love writing, but I procrastinate it because I have this sense of wanting it to be perfect before i put it in the world. So, um i definitely procrastinate on that which i get frustrated with myself mm-hmm. for because i know how much i'm holding back in doing that and keeping wisdom or insight that might be really beneficial to other people. And I enjoy speaking more than I do writing. So and writing is more of a cathartic process. Yes. Therefore, you actually do get more out of that process because you have to really think and and to articulate in word as you write versus as you speak. It's very different.
0: Right. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Brene Brown. Yes, of course I am. And one of the things that she speaks about, it's probably her entire mantra is about the fact that being vulnerable is much more courageous than than not. And I think um, women in particular do a lot of pretending. Mm -hmm. Um, We all kind of are imposters Mm -hmm. uh, very often. And the older I've gotten, the more I really see and believe about that vulnerability. In other words, if you're willing to just put yourself out there and be your whole self, flaws and all, that's really brave. Yes.
1: It's so freeing and rewarding and being to me being authentic is my number one priority to the world. And being authentic means being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It means being transparent. It means for the longest time having my dad be that military type father and my mom was a very strong woman but she was a very emotionally expressive person but I struggled with even crying and and it was more like I was had that masculine mindset of it, it's, you're, you're weak if you cry and you're weak if you show vulnerability. And it's just in the past five years where I've really gotten to appreciate and be grateful for understanding that it's when you're vulnerable is when you're most courageous and that expresses the most power within you and makes you be the most free. But for me, when I got into that place of true authenticity, complete authenticity is when my career actually skyrocketed. And a lot of people don't see that, so they keep this masks, mask on because it's what they think other people want to see. Mm-hmm. And every single one of my colleagues, and I have this conversation, my colleagues who are on top of their game right now, who are completely fulfilled and successful in all aspects of their lives, and we all talk about it, it's once we became completely authentic that our, our game, our level of game went up to a whole different place. Because now we're living with our true sense of self, true purpose. And it's not about what other people want us to be. It's about who we're supposed to be Mm -hmm. and what we want to be in our own expression of ourselves. So um, that is a that vulnerability is so powerful and it connects you. If you want to be in business to connect with other people, that's what connects you. That's what makes you real. Mm -hmm. For me, my biggest vulnerability area that I had to grow, that I had to heal from from my childhood was being vulnerable in relationships, um, as, as intimate relationships. And so when I started dating after getting divorced, it was really challenging for me to be open. And, and I realized looking back even in my marriage, which was seven years long, I was with the same person for 10 years. That, that was a challenge for me to be
0: vulnerable too. Was it the fear of being hurt that you, that you felt that this, this, can't last forever. At some point, I'm going to be hurt by this person. Mm, what was the fear?
1: Yeah, I think there was a subconscious fear because I don't think that he would have ever done anything to hurt me, which is interesting because most people have that. That's their fear. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just this uncomfortableness with getting too raw and real with intimacy. And, and, and when I say intimacy, intimacy isn't what most people think intimacy. Intimacy is showing who you are, raw and real, and feeling that secure in that you're going to be loved unconditionally. And that's really what intimacy is. Intimacy can happen in every aspect of our relationships and our lives. And as a matter of fact, it should happen in every relationship in your life. And it's about being who you are without having fear of abandonment, without having fear of judgment, without having fear of that person's not going to like me anymore. That person's not going to care for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was the, for me, it was more about, just that uncomfortableness with letting somebody be too close to me Mm -hmm. because I didn't have that, that display, um, as a role model as as something that was modeling in my childhood. Um, so in that context of relationships, that was the most challenging uh, category, so to speak for me to grow in and having grown in that was so beneficial to my career so beneficial to my ability to be an amazing mother to my daughters so it's such an amazing growth experience to add value to every aspect of my life
0: right I think I think judgment is a big thing that people fear or don't you know they perceive that they're being judged you yes. know when they're allowing themselves to be authentic and, mm-hmm. and nine times out of ten they're not
1: right well and it's also about understanding I, I mean the biggest one of the biggest things I'm focused on right now is emotional intelligence and that degree in psychology and education set me on the path of of an awareness of that. But now there's been so much more research and study uh, about the fact that your emotional intelligence is actually a way greater predictor of success than your IQ is. And no one's teaching this in school and it's pretty much what I'm teaching every mm-hmm. day to people. And the more I master my own awareness and emotional intelligence, the the more that I can then turn back and teach. And so I use every one of my experiences, my trigger moments, my moments where I could have handled something better as my own teacher, my own experience to then turn around and teach other people. And I get so excited when I'm in a situation of conflict that I figure out how to master, because then I turn around and I'm like, that's how that emotional intelligence is applied here. And here's an example that every person could understand universally that will help them engage relationships better throughout their lives. And then also become more effective communicators, which then in turn, and this is one of the articles I'm working on right now, is in every in every encounter we have with another human being, we have the ability to hurt them or to heal them. And that's a powerful thought that most people never ever think about or explore, but it's really powerful. And I'll give you a brief example. One of my best friends uh, got upset when she she uh, quit her job. She was a new mother. She felt overwhelmed. She felt like she couldn't do anything right. She couldn't be a good mother, couldn't be a good wife, couldn't be good at work. A lot of the, that guilt that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So she quit. But she was a woman that was really took a lot of pride in her career. And I thought, I don't think that you're the the right type of person to do this. I think you really need to stay focused on your career, at least to some degree. And she didn't. And she started to lose herself, completely lose herself. And the more she lost herself, the more unhappy she became. And so she quit her job to be a better mother-wife but she became a less effective mother and wife because she was unhappy. And so that unhappiness would reflect to her kids and reflect to her husband. And she got into a deeper, deeper depression. She was sick all the time, constantly. If it wasn't an illness, it was a backache. It was, a some, it mm-hmm. was just always something. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, you, this, I, I'm telling you, you're living off a path of your passion and purpose and you really need to get yourself back. She's, she kept putting this guilt, why can't I just be happy here now, with, like this? And then I said, because you still have a purpose that you want to fulfill for yourself independently. So anyway, I kept giving her advice over the years, and she, she wouldn't really apply that, that knowledge or that, that advice. So I stopped giving advice and distanced myself from her because she became so unhappy that it was actually challenging to be around her. One night she, asked for a, she texted me for a recommendation of a book. I texted her back three books. She said, I'm not doing really well. I want a recommendation for a book. So I gave her three book titles and a link to a meditation. A week later, she asked me to meet her for dinner. I do. She attacks me instantly. You were the worst friend ever. A good friend would know to pick up the phone and call and, and and see how I was immediately after I said something like that. And I said, I absolutely wouldn't because the way I operate based on my life experiences, is when I want something, I ask for it directly. And I said, you're projecting your stuff on me right now. You're expecting me to be me and give you advice based on my life experience. But you're also expecting me to think like you, which I grew up in a totally different environment. And so what my point is, every single person that's listening has had a conflict like this. The biggest thing is, the biggest thing that hurts us personally is our expectations of other people. The thing that makes us mad at other people is our expectations of who they're supposed to be, but they can't be anybody than they are. So if you want to communicate your pain to them, you have to say, I feel this way because of me and my life experiences. And maybe it's not true and real at all of you, but it's about identifying, emotional intelligence is about identifying your own triggers, identifying your own expectations, learning how to express them in a non-threatening way to another person so that the other person can actually heal grow, and communicate back in a reflective way that's productive. And if you can apply those theories to every aspect of your life, you will increase your success in every aspect of your life.
0: And that's a really tough thing to teach. You know, speaking about emotional uh, quotient versus, you know, intellectual, you know, you can teach kind of academics, but the emotional part is really tough thing to teach. You have-
3: Fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating.
0: (laughs) We're going to take another uh, break and we will be back in the studio with Jen Groover.
4: The Women's Professional Network of Villanova University sponsors and supports programming for all Villanova women in order to encourage professional growth and development. The purpose is to connect women from all five colleges to educate and ignite change. They are thrilled to have this organization to foster creative collaboration with women across all industries. For more information or to offer ideas and suggestions, please contact them at wpn at villanova.edu or visit their website at villanova.edu slash WPN. Go Nova!
5: Are you looking for assistance with your IT demands? Would you like to know that the people you hire have your best interest at heart? InSource is one of the region's most distinguished and fastest-growing technology firms in the Philadelphia area. Their only concern is to deliver your business long-term success to avoid reacting to daily crisis. Recognized as a top employer of IT consultants, they thrive on helping their clients exceed expectations. InSource delivers reliable and effective solutions to the technology needs of both small and large businesses as well as nonprofits, and does so with the goals of your business in mind. With over a decade of recognized Success, Insource provides its clients with both IT staffing needs as well as putting highly qualified project teams together. Insource is also a partner of ServiceNow, the fastest growing software company in the country. Contact Insource today at 610 592 or visit their website at insourcenow.com to find the quality help you need.
2: It's really tough for an everyday investor to find honest, personalized investment advice some brokers only push the latest hot stocks. And some financial advisors won't even return your phone call unless your account is worth half a million dollars. That's where the mutual fund store comes in. It's where you talk with your local advisor, someone you can meet with face to face, not somebody wearing a headset a thousand miles away. And your mutual fund store advisor will work with you to design an investment plan to help you get where you want to be. From day one, our advisors track your funds to make sure they're still right for you. Not everyone in the investment business can say that. The client comes first at the Mutual Fund Store with custom investment plans to fit your goals, not ours. To learn more, visit MutualFundStore.com or call the Mutual Fund Store now in East Norriton and Cherry Hill, 877-239-8330. That's 877-239-8330.
0: Welcome back, everyone. We're here with Women To Watch. My name is Sue Rocco, and I'm in the studio this morning having a great time with Jen Groover. Uh, Jen Groover is uh, owner of Groover Media. She's a serial entrepreneur. She has written books. She's a motivational speaker, uh, TV personality. She's really done it all, and um, we're getting some great insights here today. Um We're going to talk a little bit about information overload, something that I bring up all the time because Mm -hmm. I suffer from it. Um, You know, there's just so much information out there, so many experts telling us how to be better and perfect and, you know, exercise and um, be educated and all all that stuff. And I think very often... Rather than taking it and applying it to ourselves and having it be beneficial, we become overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And Jen has some thoughts as to how we can better handle that. You know, people that are constantly
1: curious wisdom seekers run into this problem all the time. And even people who aren't because media content is coming at us from so many different places at this moment, whether it's just on your phone alone. For me, it's coming through text. It's coming through emails. It's coming through clout, It's coming through Twitter, Twitter, uh, Instagram. I mean, all of these just on my phone alone. So um, forget all the other media and signage and advertising and billboards. And so What I do when I feel overwhelmed by it, because I get excited by it, too. Like, Mm -hmm. oh, I want to remember this article and I want to remember that and I want to apply this to my life. As I think of my life in four silos, because I believe in order to live an empowered life, a successful life, a happy life, success to me isn't just defined by titles and accolades and money in your bank account. Success to me is defined by living a life that is filled with fulfillment that is fulfilled with ab- abundance of joy. That's success to me. And so I always say, is this going to fit into my personal growth silo? Is this going to fit into my health and wellness silo? Is this going to fit into my relationship silo or my um Personal development, professional development, I'm sorry, silo. And so, why I break them down into those four buckets, so to speak, because they all cross over at the end of the day, is when you're trying to find balance in your life, those are the four aspects you need to find balance in. Those are the, if you break it down to not feel so overwhelmed, if you think of those, if your life and those four aspects, then you can say, which one am I thriving in right now? Which one am I suffering in right now? Is my professional life, trumping my physical health and well-being if so I need to f- focus on that bucket a little bit more to get that balance back so if you think of an equilibrium of water kind of just flowing and balancing between those four and so when you're feeling off kilter in one that's where you should be putting more of the energy effort and and information to apply to your life and seek that until you find your, you know a better balance but each day I try to Find development in all four aspects.
0: And say them again. So it's health, growth, financial, and relationships. So it's
1: professional life. Mm-hmm. So that is finances, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's your health and wellness,
3: mm-hmm.
1: your relationships, and your personal development. What, what most people don't understand is when their relationships are off kilter. So, so many people put so much effort into their personal, I mean, their professional growth. hmm And they also put into their health and wellness. The two buckets that are usually off balance is personal development and relationships, because those two go hand in hand. Because of what we talked about earlier, your personal development is your self-awareness. Your self-awareness contributes, beneficially or not, to your relationships. But just think about when you're in a fight with a friend or you're in conflict with somebody at work or with your spouse. How off kilter all other aspects of your life become because you're so overwhelmed with worry and playing the story back in your head and the conversation and what you're going to say next. And so many people get tripped up in balancing and thriving in all other aspects of their lives because their relationships are so dysfunctional.
0: Right. You carry that through all all day. You know, when you're having, you know, Mm -hmm. an argument with your spouse all day long, everything else is just kind of. You know, off kilter. Correct. You know, um, growing up, my dad used to say the five F's. F's. My maiden name is Foley. <laughs> and he used to say, this is what you need to focus on all the time. Faith, family, fitness, finance, fun. Right. Yeah. I like those four us. Right. Aren't mm-hmm. they good and easy yeah. to remember? Yeah. Um, I wonder if, if is faith a part of your, you know, your mantra? Incredibly. Okay. Talk incredibly to me a little bit about that.
1: Um, I'm extremely spiritual. I grew up, as I mentioned earlier, um, and going to Catholic school my whole life. Um, But I would say I'm an extremely spiritual person. I live in massive faith. Um, I come from a background where I've definitely studied Buddhism, Judaism, all the different faith paths. I believe that the fraction that happens in religion comes from people's need, the ego, to say that my faith is right and yours is incorrect, because at the end, a spiritual person believes that there is a higher power, the higher power is greater than all of us, mm-hmm. and that that higher power guides us, and to have faith in that higher power. But if One religion starts to believe that there are other, first of all, all religions at this stage are interpreted by ego, by a person to another person to another person. So somebody's personal experience has interpreted religion. So it can't be correct. It is only an interpretation of what somebody interpreted to be to then tell us all to listen to. So um, I would say I encourage faith in every single person what I discourage is the fraction that creates war of the having to believe or need to believe that your faith makes you better or is right. Um, and, and, and there's still, I see even in business that fraction that if you're not of the same religious sector that people don't do business, or if they do, they treat you differently. And it's mm-hmm. mind blowing to me at this day and age that that exists, but it very much exists. Right. And I've encountered it many of times. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I believe that, anyone who has faith we still believe whether you call him god buddha allah whatever jesus it's still the same person we're just calling it a di- it's still the same power it's still the same entity we're just calling it a different name right as long as something is guiding you right. other than yourself correct that, where I, there's morals know, and values yes. a value system exactly. that you do unto others as you would ha- have done to you i live you know on the value system of karma um, I like to create good karma. Therefore, I believe that I will receive good karma. I don't believe I'll ever receive it, probably from the person I give it to or the thing that I give it to. And that's about just having faith. That's giving good and not knowing where the, your good's going to come from, but knowing that it is going to come right. from that faith. Right. Um, and and if we live by nothing else no other religious spiritual principle, that principle alone creates a great sense of compassion and understanding and support and love, which then can diffuse so much negativity in the world. But I, I don't believe I, 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 I know that there's a lot of people who make sure that they're at their place of worship every single weekend and are very much in their their religious sector or tie, but aren't treating others as they would like to be treated. And so if we could just do that one thing, Mm -hmm. we would make a massive shift of negativity to positivity in this world. I agree.
0: I agree. Um, We only have a few minutes left. I'd love for you to talk about. What your uh, next projects are and something that you mentioned is 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 empowerment is really mm-hmm. something you're focusing on right now with your brand right what does that mean for you
1: so empowered is my next movement um, my next big thing um, i just did a pbs special this past year called empowered um, and my next book is called empowered for purpose um, i'm doing i have a, a consumer product line called empowered and basically um, it's taking all my quotes, my my personal quotes, the ones that I create, and putting them to life and as a reminder for somebody to constantly live with passion and purpose in every aspect of their lives. And we constantly do need to be reminded of that. Mm-hmm. And so um, anywhere from consumer products to books to speaking to television to technology platforms and apps, empowered um, is my mission and movement empowered for purpose is the larger overscale brand, because I believe that as long as you empower yourself for a purpose driven life, every aspect of your life
0: will be empowered. Right. Terrific. You know, um, real quick, if you give your contact information for the listeners so that the best way they can get in touch with you, I think would be great. Um,
1: uh, yeah, sure. Twitter and Facebook is really where I'm extremely active. And, and at this day and age, uh, my, I, I feel like I interact with people more there than anywhere, okay. way more than email or through my website. So it's Jen Groover on Facebook, uh, my personal and also my pu- public page. Jen Groover is my Twitter handle and Jen Groover is my Instagram um, account name. So those are the best ways to really connect and okay, communicate great. on a daily
0: basis. And that's Jen Groover, J-E-N-G-R-O-O-V-E-R. Right. Okay. Terrific, Jen. I'm going to have to have you come back again. I I think we should do this on a regular basis. Um, I think you have some great insight. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB AM 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and feel free to call me if you have any questions. I'd love to hear from you. 215-313-5561. Have a great week.